What do you do when it seems like the world around you is out of control? How do you survive when there's no safe place to hide? What do you do when your sense of fear increases and your confidence fades? It's during times like these we wonder, where is God? And can we trust that He is still there? Hey, good morning and welcome to Hope Church. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad that you are here with us today. We want to let you know every week at our church, we do a thing called a Hope High Five. And so if you're watching with somebody, you can give them a high five. If by some chance you're watching in a coffee shop somewhere, do not give a Hope High Five. That will not go over well, I know, because I have, I have tried. But if you are new to Hope Church, we'd love to have you go over to our website. Go to hopewintergarden.com and click on New. We would love to, for you to fill out a Connect card so that we can connect with you. We are a highly relational church. So if you can connect with us, we want to be able to connect with you. Hey, we hope you're having a good week. This week we sent you a survey um, to kind of let, kind of get us ready for going back into the building. And we want to make sure that we have a safe environment for you to come and worship and hang out with us in for your kids. And we want to make sure we have a great environment set up for you. So if you got the email this week, would you make sure you fill out that survey? Because we want to make sure everything is just perfect when you come to visit us and make sure we have all the right protocols in place. And we're praying and believing we'll be back in the building. We'll be, be in the building soon. Hey, this past week, uh, we had our marriage Zoom call, um, marriage quarantine style. We had over 20 uh, couples join us with that, and we had a great time. And we learned some great things from Pastor Eddie and Miss Cindy Lyons. And um, they just helped us out a lot with our marriage. And I think there's some stuff in there that will help you and so um, that, ha that have helped me. And this week, ladies... It is your night, ladies' night, PJ style. So if you are a lady, all my single ladies, all the single ladies, if you are a lady, go to hopewintergarden.com, click on events, and we'd love for you to register for ladies' night, PJ party, your PJ style. Hey, today after church at 1 p.m. is Next Steps. Now, you might be asking yourself the question, what is Next Steps for and who is Next Steps for? A lot of you guys have been joining us and, and you've been trying to figure out, um, you know, what the church believes and what they stand for and how do you grow further. So Next Steps is a, is a two-part class that's going to happen today um, right after church at 1 p.m. You can go to hopewintergarden.com, click on events and register for next steps. Two things will happen. We will tell you how you can be a part of the dream team. And the second thing we'll tell you is how you can grow in your walk with Jesus. We'd love to help you with those two things. So go to hopeintergarden.com and click on, um, click on events and then register for the next steps class. Hey, have you enjoyed our series on Esther? I know I have enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, we've been in this for two weeks now. And if you missed any of the weeks, you can go to YouTube or you can go to our Spotify channel and you can watch all the past two weeks of our series on Esther. If you haven't been watching with us, let me give you a couple of things. There's this king in the book of Esther and his name is Xerxes. And Xerxes throws a huge party and he gets wasted at his party. He invites his wife to come in and he says, hey, I want you to dance around. And she tells him no. And so he says, fine. He takes the crown off her head and, and de deposes her. And they crown a new queen. And the person that they crown this time around is a lady named Esther. Now, Esther is not from this town. She's a Jewish orphan girl who her uncle Mordecai is raising her. So if you've missed any of the past few weeks, that's kind of a that's kind of a quick snapshot of kind of where we've been at. And you can go back and watch the other two weeks and it'll get you caught up on where we've been at. Week one, we looked at this idea of this when God seems absent. 
when God seems absent. One of the things you need to know about the book of Esther, the, the name God is not mentioned anywhere in the, entire, in the entire book. Not even a prayer is mentioned, but God is all throughout it. Sometimes we can relate with the book of Esther because sometimes we think God is absent. But just because you think God is absent does not mean he's absent. God is always with you. The Bible says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is with you all of the time. So that was week one when God seems absent. Week two, timing is everything. Week two, timing is everything. You nudge someone that you're with today and tell them timing is everything. Now is your time to make a difference. Now is your time to stand up. And so in the story of that we're in, Esther, Esther goes to the king and says, King, I need your help. And it was her time to go to the help, go ask the king for help, and she had to move at the appointed timing. Timing is everything. And today I want to talk about picking up the pieces. Today I want to talk about picking up the pieces. I brought my puzzle with me today. I'll explain it to you more in just a few moments. But would you nudge your neighbor and help me preach my sermon? Tell them, pick up the pieces. Tell three people. Anyone who's in the house, maybe you're watching and you're in your house, no one's with you, just yell it out. Hey, pick up the pieces. Now your kids may come running. If they do, it's okay. Have them pick up some pieces. But I want to preach a message to you today called Pick Up, Pick Up the Pieces. Let's look at the Bible. Esther chapter 6, verse 1. That night the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring the book of the history of his reign so it could be read to him. Boring. He couldn't sleep. So he goes, hey, go get my story. Go get the book, the, the, the journal or the, or the person that took care of all the notes and kind of journaled the king's life. He says, go get that book. I want to hear about my life, which sounds really, really boring. Verse 2 says this, In those records he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bithana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who had guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They plotted to assassinate King Xerxes. So they go and start reading this, and they find out that Mordecai, actually there was these two guys that we mentioned just a moment ago, these two guys, they tried to kill the king. But there was a guy who saved him, and his name was Mordecai. Mordecai, if you've been on this last few weeks, you know Mordecai is Queen Esther's uncle. And he saved the king's life by saying, hey, these two guys, they tried to, they tried to kill you. Verse 3 tells us this, what reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked. His attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. So he's reading the story, he's trying to fall asleep, and, and the king says, how do we... How did I repay back to, to Mordecai? I'm really interested. How did, I, how did I repay this guy who saved my life? And his attendant said, yeah, you did nothing for him. Like you, you, didn't pay him you didn't pay him anything, zero. Verse 4 says this. Who is that in the outer court, the king inquired. As it happened, Haman had just arrived in the outer court of the palace to ask the king to impale Mordecai on the pole that he had prepared. And I don't know if you're reading this along, and I, I hope that you're reading the story by yourself. And it's a quick read for you. You can read it in one day or read it, you know, over a co couple of weeks kind of as we go. But you, if you read the story, you find out that Mordecai is Esther's, is Esther's uncle. We already told you that. And there's King Xerxes, and, and there's a guy named Haman. And Haman is the king's right-hand man. Now, the, Haman, he did not like Mordecai. He could not, he could not stand him. And he just did not like him. And, and when, when Haman would walk into the room, he'd have everyone bow down at his feet. And Mordecai wouldn't do that because Mordecai was only bowing down to one person. He was bowing down to Jesus. And he just would refuse to bow down. So on this day, 
the king can't go to sleep. They're reading the story about Mordecai, how Mordecai saved his life. And Haman comes walking up. Haman comes walking up. Haman's coming for one purpose. Haman says, he's coming to king, tell the king, king, I want to kill. I want to kill Mordecai. Can I, can I kill Mordecai? Verse 5 says this. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in and the king said, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? And Haman thought to himself, hmm, who would the king wish to honor more than his right-hand man? I mean, who, who in the world could be as good? Who's done more for the king than me? And verse 7 says this. So he replied, if the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has ridden, one with a royal emblem on its head. He, uh, Haman says, you ought to get the nicest limousine that you can buy. You ought to get it blinged out, tricked out, fill it up with Chick-fil-A or whatever it is restaurant you like to go. Fill it up with Ruth's Chris or fill it up with Chili's to go or fill it up with some restaurant. And I mean, put all the best stuff of the best in this limousine. You ought to pick him up and you ought to parade him around the town and let everybody see him. Verse 9 says this, let the robes and the horse be handed over to the one of the king's most noble officials, and let him see that the man whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robe, and he led through the city square on the king's horse. Have the officials shout as they go. This is what the king does for someone whom he wishes to honor. I mean, he's like, man, let's trick this thing out. Let's make this thing look incredible. And verse 10 says this. Man, the king says, that's a good idea. So Haman says to the king, king, you want to make everybody look at everyone and say, man, look at the guy did who honored me. Look at the guy did who takes care of me. Look at the guy who, who does the best. Look at the guy who works the hardest and puts the most hours. I mean, we got to really pat this guy on his back. I mean, this guy, he's incredible. He's an incredible job. And king says, man, that's exactly what we're going to do, Haman. Haman, thank you. Haman, thank you for the suggestion. Thank you for telling me how I ought to honor this guy. And so the king says to Haman, quick. Take the robes and my horse and do just, as, do just as you have said for Mordecai the Jew who sits at the gate of the palace. Leave out nothing that you have suggested. I mean, this story is incredible. I mean, King, this, this movie, this book really does move like, this book really does read like a movie. We have this girl who's abandoned by her mom and her dad, and, and her name is Esther. And we have this king who is a tyrant, and he's out of control, and, and he gives this opportunity to Esther to be this queen. And we have this guy, Haman. He's this bad villain guy, and, and he wants to kill all the, all the Jewish people, and he definitely wants to kill, he wants to kill Mordecai also. And, and the story goes back and forth, and Haman wants to kill Mordecai. And Mordecai, he saved the king early back on, and, and now the king, we find the king saying, hey, I want to help I want to help this guy. I mean, there are so many pieces to this story. You know, you and I, a lot of times in our life, we find ourselves a lot like this situation. We find ourselves a lot like 
this puzzle. We got so much going on. We've got our bills to pay and we've got relationship issues and we got this struggle and this struggle and this issue and our baggage from growing up as a kid. And I mean, we have all of these pieces of our life that aren't going the way we think that they should go. We've got kids and we've got issues and baggage and hurts and habits and hangups. I mean, we have all these things. I mean, our life is just like this bus and it's time for you and I to pick up. It's time for you and I to pick up the pieces. You know, a puzzle is fun if you take it out and you begin to work on it. But I want to encourage you today. It is time for you to begin to pick up the pieces of your life. Some of you guys had some things done to you that you didn't like done to you. And, and you kind of left the pieces. Kind of Your life is kind of a mess. But it's time, for you to, it's time for you to pick up the pieces. Or some of you guys thought your life would be somewhere that it's not. It's time for you to pick up. It's time for you to pick up the pieces. I want to give you a couple things today that I think will help you pick up the pieces. Here's the first one. I need you to know is God is working on your situation. God is working on your puzzle. God is working on your situation. Man, I felt so bad for Mordecai in the story because in the story, Mordecai's like, we're all going to die. So he tells Esther, Esther, we're all going to die. Esther, we need some help. Like our situation is not looking that good. And if you're watching today, one in, it says one in four people are struggling with unemployment right now. Man, it seems like your situation it's not that good. This past week, we were able to pass out over 400 bags of groceries. 400 bags of groceries right here in our community. And then on top of that, we were able to purchase over 2,000 meals to be distributed out in our community. Man, people right now, their situations aren't looking that good. But I want to encourage you to, God is working on your situation. God was working on Mordecai's situation. God was working on Esther's situation. God is working on your situation. Whatever your situation is right now or wherever pieces of your life that maybe seem like they're falling apart today, God is working on your situation. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says this, we can make our plans, but God orders our step. I want to encourage you today, it is time to pick up the pieces. God is working on your situation. If you're watching on Facebook, you better be hitting the like buttons. If you're in a room with someone who's looking like Debbie Downer, if you're in a room with someone who's looking like a victim, you need to tell them that victory is coming. Progress is coming. They may be in process, but the best days are ahead. God is working on your situation. You need to know things may not be looking good for you right now, but it takes time for a comeback. You need to write that down in your note. It takes time for a comeback. God is working on your situation. You're like, Wes, you're pointing your finger a lot. I want to let you know God's working on my situation. God's working on your situation. He's not working more on my situation. He is putting the same amount of time, effort, and energy on your situation and on my situation. There's things that I'm going to God with in this season, and I know God is working on my situation. And here's the second thing. You need to write this down and, and make sure you're taking good notes of this. You need to work on your spirit. God will work on your situation, but you need to work on, you need to work on just your spirit. Some of you guys right now, your spirit's not... Your spirit's not that good. You're walking around and, and you're depleted and you're, and you're frustrated and, and, and you're, you may look like your head's down. And I want to encourage you today. Some of you guys, you need to pick your head up. You need a boost of, of confidence. The Bible tells that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to work 
on your spirit. I mean, I mean, I could have thought Mordecai, we know last we saw Mordecai, he was, he was fasting and praying and he had the sackcloth on, he had the ashes and he wasn't doing that because he was down. He was doing that because that's how they prepared for battle. That's how they prayed and they fasted and they asked God to help them. He was working on his spirit. Esther in this whole entire season, Esther had to work on her spirit. You and I, we need to work on your spirit. You know, if you're gonna make metal sharp, it takes heat and it takes friction to make metal sharp. If for a diamond to be to be a diamond, it takes lots of it takes lots of pressure. For a, a tree to grow, it has to be planted in the dirt. Some of you guys right now, you may feel like you're buried today, but you're not buried, you are planted. Something's gonna spring up and God's gonna do something incredible in your life. You need to work on your spirit. I want to encourage you today, wherever you're watching, in, in a moment, God can change everything in your life. You know, I want to preach the rest of my message. It's only a few more moments, say, with this piece in my hand, because I want to encourage you, you need to grab your spirit, you need to take hold of it, and you need to start preaching to yourself that we are gonna, we are gonna make it. I'm I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I don't have to fear. I'm gonna cast my anxieties on him because he cares. He cares for me. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship. You better start preaching to yourself. You need to change your spirit. Some of you guys haven't done well in this quarantine, in, this, in these earlier days, but in the days ahead, you need to claim that the best days are ahead of you. You need to work on your spirit. God is working on your situation, but you need to work on your spirit. I want to give you some encouragement today. Some of you guys, you need a brand new spirit. You just need a brand new, like you need a, you need a brand new fresh start. Like you need God to change your spirit. And the way that he can do that is by dying on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Jesus paid a price for you so that he could change your spirit, so he can change your destiny, so you can spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus. You know, I've had a lot of times, a lot, I've talked to a lot of people in this season and one of the things that goes over and over and again that we've talked about is how in the world can you go through what we're going through without a Savior? I don't know how you can go through what we're going through. I don't know how you can go through job loss and, and people have gotten bad prognosis on their health and people have been diagnosed with disease in this season. People are losing their jobs and maybe even losing their houses and losing, um, losing income. And how in the world can you go through this without Jesus. I was talking to a lady just a few weeks ago on one of our, on one of our groups, and she was saying, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through life with Jesus, and I've gone through life, bad seasons, without Jesus. And she said, here's what I've determined, that it's better to go through life with Jesus than to go through life without Jesus. So we want to give you an opportunity, wherever you're watching at today, to trust Christ as your Savior. If you trust Christ with your Savior, the Bible says you'll get a brand new spirit. Do, do you want a brand new spirit? Like that's, that can change everything. You know, your situation may not change, but God's working on your situation. But you have an opportunity to trust God to give you a brand new spirit. Every single week we've talked about this idea uh, of trusting your Christ as your savior. Not this idea, it's a fact that Jesus can save you from all of your sins. He can do that. He wants to do that today. It's as simple as ABC, letter A. You have to admit that you've done wrong. All of us have done wrong. Every single person watching today has done something wrong. Everyone has. You have to admit that you've done wrong. Romans 3, 23 tells us we've all done wrong. Letter B, you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Some of you guys need to believe. I was talking with a friend of mine today and I told her, you gotta believe that Jesus changes 
everything through the blood of his through the blood on the cross and the cross. You have to believe that today. You have to believe in the gift of salvation. You can't just say, oh, that's a good idea. You have to believe in the gift of salvation. You have to admit that you've done wrong. You have to believe that he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. Let us see. You have to commit your life to him. Well, Wes, how do I commit my life to him? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you will confess with your mouth and you will believe in your heart, then you can be saved. And if God can save you this morning, he can change your spirit in a moment. In a moment, everything could change. And we want that for you today. So if you're here today, you say, man, I, Wes, I love that. I, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. I want a new spirit. I want Christ to live inside of me. Would you bow your head and would you close your eyes? Say, I want to help you pray and ask Jesus to become your Savior, to be the Lord of your life, to lead you and to guide you and to make you a new creature right now, wherever it is that you're watching. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And repeat after me. Would you say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. But today, Jesus, I believe that you died and you rose again for my sins. And I believe today you're ruling and reigning this world in heaven. And I want to be in heaven with you, Jesus. Today I'm committing my life to you, Jesus. I confess all my sins to you, Jesus. Please save me. Please make me new. Today I trust you to save me, to change me, to make me new. I give my life to you, Jesus. You can have all of me. I surrender all. And would you say this thing, last part of the prayer? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I believe this today. If you pray that prayer today and you believe with your heart that today is your day of salvation. I mean, if you have any more questions, um, if you gave your life to Christ today, or if you have any questions, we want to direct you back over to our website, hopewintergarden.com. Click on Know God. You can read more information. All the verses that I share with you today are there. If you have any questions about salvation, or if today you gave your life to Christ, we would invite you to email us at info at hopewintergarden.com because we'd love to celebrate with you. We'd love to get some information to you to help you grow in your walk with Jesus. Today is your day of salvation. We celebrate with you today that you become a Christian. Hey, if you're a Christian today and, and, you've, and you've been a Christian for a long time today, let's trust God that he's working on our situation, that God's got all the pieces figured out. But hey, let's do our part and let's work on our spirit and allow God to change us from the inside out. Hey, thank you so much for watching today. We are so glad you came and watch with us today. We'll see you this week on Facebook Live at 8 p.m. or we'll see you Tuesday night at 9 p.m. for our ladies night. We cannot wait to see you soon. Love you, see ya. We believe the best is yet to come and we hope you feel God's love stronger today than ever before. Thanks for joining us and have a great week.